over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the presidents might, be, uh, might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and speak to our hearts. May there be some things that we can glean from your word that will uh, cause us to give pause and give, think, uh, give thought to uh, our testimony. And, Father, that we would be, uh, take the principles that we learned from Daniel and, and put them into practical use in our lives. The day that we live, there's such a need for your people to stand out from the world, to be separate from them to be a peculiar people and zealous of good works. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help to inspire us and stir our hearts, bring conviction where it's needed, and uh, that we would then uh, respond appropriately to it and uh, get those things settled, get those things corrected in our lives, perhaps just to reinforce some of the things that perhaps have been waning of late and perhaps become a little shaky in our lives Lord, may this be a help and a blessing to each and every one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to deal with the importance of our testimony uh, according to Scripture. Of course, the Bible teaches us, and if you'll remember the story when Samuel was told to go and to anoint a new king. This was while Saul was still king of Israel. And Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, and he goes through all of the, the sons except for David, who was out in the field tending the sheep. And uh, God kept telling him, no, Samuel, that's not the one. And Samuel's like, are you sure? You know, this, is, this guy's big, he's strong, he, you know, all these things you can imagine going through Samuel's mind and head. And uh, God made a comment to Samuel, and he made a phrase there that so often is used by people today, and it's, I would say used, it's misused by so many people today and taken out of its context. But God made the statement, he said, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. We spent some time last hour in the last service dealing with what we are on the inside, the importance that God places on the heart, the issues of the heart. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that we're to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And uh, the importance that is placed on the inner man and the growing of the inner man, the, the strengthening uh, of the inner man is over and over and over spoken of in Scripture. And uh, the, the issue is this, that even though God does look on the heart, uh, He does bring up the point that man looks on the outward appearance. Man does not have the ability to look on the heart. It'd be nice if we could, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be great if God would give us that uh, ability to be able to see the heart of another man. We could see those that are lost. And those that are saved, it would help us to know who to witness to and uh, who to continue to witness to. Uh, It would certainly help us to see those that uh, are uh, loving the Lord and uh, have a a heart for Him. So we would know who to hang around and who our acquaintances ought to be. But God doesn't give us that privilege. Uh, All God allows us to do is to see things from the outside. There are some things that He gives throughout Scripture to help us know a little bit and to have some indication of what's on the heart. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about if you love the Lord, you'll keep His commandments. And uh, But I've known people who have outwardly 
kept the commandments, and inwardly they weren't what they should have been. They did, that wasn't an indication that they loved the Lord. Uh, so that principle only goes one direction, and that is that uh, a person that loves the Lord will keep God's commandments. If you find somebody that's not keeping his commandments, you can go ahead and mark that one down. He doesn't love the Lord. But a man can keep the commandments and not love the Lord. And the, the Pharisees were a group like that. If you'll remember when Jesus was dealing with them, he, he condemned them for being whited sepulchers, for cleansing the outside of the cup, and not uh, concerning themselves with things that were of a more weighty matter. And uh, there's two phrases I want to start with, two, two bases of uh, uh, principles that I want to give as a basis and a foundation. The first one is this, that our testimony will always eventually reflect our character. It's possible to fake a testimony for a while, but I have learned this over the years, and that is uh, our true character will eventually show by means of our testimony. That is the outward expression of our heart condition. It's the outward expression of the character that God's given to us. One of the interesting things, we studied the book of Daniel this morning for Sunday school, and we were doing that as our uh, Old Testament survey book this morning, is looking into the character of Daniel. He's one of the few major characters of Scripture. In fact, I can only think of maybe two or three others that were major characters of Scripture that nothing negative is said of him. Ezekiel refers to him three different times as an example of righteousness. Daniel was a man who had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. At 16 years of age, he's hauled off into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, taken away from his family, taken away from his uh, spiritual leaders and those that were in the, uh, the temple uh, that were supposed to be his influence and his authority. And Daniel had every opportunity to do whatever Daniel's heart desired, and nobody would know except God. His parents wouldn't know about it. His friends wouldn't know about it. His priests back home wouldn't know about it. And most young people at 16 years of age that live today in the day that we live, given the same opportunity, would take that opportunity to go and do whatever their heart desired. But Daniel purposed in his heart. He was a man of character. His testimony was displayed so much that he served the entire 70 years of the Israel's captivity in Babylon under three different kings. He served under Nebuchadnezzar II. He served under his grandson Belshazzar. And then he served under Darius, who was a king of another, of another kingdom that overthrew Babylon. And the fact that, this, that they looked to Daniel and said, there's an excellent spirit in him. This is, a, this is the king of the country that overthrew the one he was serving in before. And that, that goes against everything you would think of in, in a king coming and overthrowing another nation. They would want to get rid of all the leaders so that there would be no rebellion raised up. But this man had such confidence in Daniel because of his character. Darius looks at him and he says, this is a man of character. He's a man of faith. He certainly is a man of prayer. He's a man of courage. The consistency of Daniel is apparent throughout the book. And he, is, he has a... a, 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 a an absolute stand and a conviction against compromise. He will not, no matter what, compromise. The second principle I want you to know as we get into this, not only does our testimony eventually reflect our character, but character, or our testimony is not what we think we are. Notice as we get to verse number 3, 
The Bible says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the princes, presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Uh, Daniel's testimony was not based on what he thought about himself. Sometimes we think, boy, I need to make sure I have a good testimony, and we try this and we try that, and we're trying to protect our testimony. The truth is, our testimony is not something that we can give. It's something that someone will say about us. When they look at our character, what is the testimony they perceive? And by the way, we do understand this, don't we? That the testimony that we're living is not our testimony anyway. It's the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be a reflection of His image. We're to point men and women to Him. Unless we think that our testimony is good because it's better than so-and-so's, That's never the measure of a good testimony. The measure of a good testimony is, am I reflecting Christ clearly? Is my life becoming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? As we move over in the chapter to verse number 16, we find uh, the, the, the very familiar passage of Daniel being thrown to the lion's den. And one of the interesting things to me is, even when these princes and these presidents that were so jealous of him were trying to entrap him. They even made the they even made his enemies even made the comment. We can't find anything wrong with him. The only way we're going to get him is if we do something regarding his worship of his God. It's one thing when your friends think highly of you. But what about your enemies? Uh, when your enemies look at you, do they see a good testimony? Do they see a testimony that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. It is imperative, it is absolutely imperative that we keep in mind the testimony that we are having in our lives. Now, I want to make another comment here, and then we're going to look at some principles that happened in Daniel's life that I think we can take note of and strive for in our life. And uh, and that is that is this, that when our... Uh, and I just... Hang on just a minute. I just lost that thought. I had it in my brain and it just died. I'm so sorry about that. It'll come back. Maybe. If not, we'll go on. <laughs> but the importance of our testimony. It is very, very important what people see and, and what they think of the Lord Jesus Christ because of us. And I apologize for that. My brain just had one of those spells for a moment. Let's look in uh, Daniel chapter 16. And this is the passage that deals with... Uh, the uh, throwing into the lion's den. The Bible says, Then the king commanded, and he brought Daniel and cast him into the lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever." A question is put to Daniel here by the king that I think is, is, again, very reflective of the testimony that he has. Not only does the king think highly of him, but even his enemies recognize that his testimony is impeccable. 
His testimony that has reflected His character, not just for a few years, but for over 70 years, there is a consistent testimony. I have known people over the years that took a stand in their younger days. They were bold. They were confident in the Lord Jesus Christ in in their younger years. But as they got older, they began to change. Things began to drift and things began to be compromised on. And there are some men that I look up to even now that I have, uh, I, I encourage them and I try to give them my friendship. And one of the things that is so inspiring to me and so helpful to me, and even though some of them feel like there's, there's, they haven't really done anything, is the fact that they have finished well. They're, they're, they're up in years. They've been in the ministry for years and they still are what they used to be. And they haven't changed. They haven't compromised. They haven't changed and gone a different direction based on the pressure of society. And that is encouraging to a Christian. As we get to these verses, the king asks Daniel a question as he comes rushing to the lion's den after a sleepless night. And he says this in verse number 20, Is thy God, whom thou conservest continually, able to deliver thee from the lion's den? And in that one question, there are some amazing things that are assumed by the king. The first one is that this, this testimony that, that Daniel has, this outward appearance of, uh, of what he is, is not a fake facade, but it is something that is very, very personal to Daniel. He doesn't say, Daniel, it, did the God of Israel keep you safe? He didn't say, did, did the God of, of the Jews keep you safe? Did the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob keep you safe? He said, Daniel, did thy God. What a testimony from the mouth of the king. And he didn't even intend to, to, to do so. He's just asking a question. But one thing that was automatic in the king's mind is that this God of Daniel's was not some far off thing that uh, far off uh, God that Daniel just spoke about occasionally, but this was an intimate and a personal relationship with God. This was a, a relationship between Daniel and God that that every time the king thought of Daniel, he thought of it being his God and Daniel. They were intertwined. He says, "Thy God." And it's interesting that he says this in verse number twenty. He says, "Is thy God, whom thou servest continually?" Again, a, a very personal uh, application. Not only was it a very personal thing, but it was a perpetual thing for Daniel. He says this. He says, "Thy God, whom thou servest." What's the next word there? Continually. It's amazing to me how many people. I was talking to somebody just after the morning service this morning that came up, and we were talking for a moment. They were talking about how that so many people are one thing on Sunday and they're another thing Monday through Saturday. It's amazing how many people are one thing in the church house and another thing in their own home. Daniel served the Lord continually. This was not something that Daniel stood and and wondered about and questioned and said, Well, I wonder today, what am I going to do? Am I going to be faithful today or am I not going to be, be faithful today? Daniel didn't have to worry. In fact, at the onset of the book of Daniel, in chapter number 1, the Bible says that Daniel had purposed in his heart, not to def- uh, uh, aforetime, uh, not to defile himself with the king's meat. He, he had already made up his mind that he was not going to defile him. At 16 years of age, he made that decision, and he never swayed from it. He never varied from it in over 70 years. Look in verse number 10, if you will, the same chapter, Daniel chapter 6. 
Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his window's being opened. He's not even trying to hide it. His window's being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And I love these next four words. I've loved them for years. As he did aforetime. What an amazing thought. Not only was Daniel's uh, character, uh, uh, relationship with his God, his service to his God, not only was it a personal matter, but it was a matter of consistency. It was a matter of, of, of faithfulness and steadfastness. It's interesting that when David, I'm going to switch gears for a moment, when David went to go check uh, on his brothers who were fighting the battle, if you remember that story, he sees Goliath come out, and David's enraged by that. I'm surprised that the rest of the army wasn't, and I'm surprised that Saul wasn't. But David was. And he went up to some of the guys, and he said, Hey, what's to be done to the man that goes out there and fights him? And his oldest brother, you think of all the people that are there for encouragement, his oldest brother, as a typical brother should do, discourages him, doesn't he? He gets on to him. He says, uh, What are you doing out here? Who have you left the sheep with? And... You know, he talked about the naughtiness of his heart. Now he's uh, shirking from his responsibilities at home. And any other person would have been frustrated by that, because here's the older brother telling him, hey, you need to go back home and watch the sheep. But that's not what David did. The Bible says he turned to another and spake after the same manner. He didn't let criticism deter him. Daniel, in this story, doesn't let the, the decree of the king, the fear of death, deter him from his faithfulness to his God. The importance of our testimony. I wonder, I wonder how our testimony is. If you wonder what it is, don't look in the mirror and try to figure it out. Because your testimony is not what you're going to think it is. Your testimony is going to be what other people think it is. What about your character? It's, somebody said this years ago. I wish I, I knew the source. I'd give credit. But they said this. They said, you can fool some people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And that's a secular saying, but it does have a biblical foundation to it. Because the truth is, the character will always eventually come to the surface. Jesus spoke of it. He talked about... Uh, a bitter tr- a bitter water, a bitter fountain, and, a, and a, a clear fountain. It talks about how you can't get clear water from a, a bitter fountain, nor do you get bitter water from a, a clean fountain, or a tree that's that's uh, not right, uh, a bad tree that bears good fruit, or a good tree that bears bad fruit. Eventually, it comes out. And I say all that to say this: I, I fear so many times that when we teach or we preach on our testimony, that it is something that we attempt to do in our own strength, and it is something that we attempt to do on the exterior of us. When the truth of the matter is, our testimony ought to be a reflection of our character, and the character ought to be based on our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The importance of a testimony. Well, I got saved, Pastor, and, you know, I know the Bible says this, but 
God knows I'm just weak in this area. No, that's not good enough. It's not an excuse. It's not good enough. Our testimony matters because it's not our testimony. It's His. And the testimony we reflect makes a difference. Can I say this? Our friends ought to know what our testimony is. In fact, they're probably going to know it better than anyone because they're around us more and they see the real us. But I would say this, even our enemies need to know what our testimony is. I know my dad pastored for almost 40 years down in Florida. In that amount of time, and you stay anywhere in the city that long, and you pastor a church for that long, and you preach the Bible rightly, you're going to have some people that get bit the wrong way. They're not going to agree with the preaching. They're not going to agree with the Bible. And there were people like that. There were people in our church that would not set foot inside our church because of my dad's preaching. But some of those same people would do anything in the world for him because they respected him for his stand and his testimony. They weren't his dear friends, but they respected who he was. And I'll tell you this, we have for far too long tried to get the world to like us. We're not called to make the world like us. We are called to reflect the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. In fact, Jesus said, the world hated me, they'll hate you. But they ought to at least know what our testimony is. I want to encourage us, in the day that we live, more and more there's a need for God's people to say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to reflect the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, our world is in desperate need of it. I'll be real frank with you. Festus and Crystal and Hillsboro, Herculaneum, Jefferson County is in desperate need. I don't know how many people I bump into and talk to about the things of the Lord. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. You hear them say. But then you look at what they're doing, what you bumped into them doing, and you see their actions, and you see their lifestyle, and you think, how is that reflecting Christ? No wonder the world doesn't have an appetite for the things of the Lord. And they see a lot of Christians that are doing nothing more than trying to get the world to like them. I don't think you ought to go out and make the world hate you. But I do think we need to be steadfast in the area of our testimony. We need to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope these thoughts will be a help to you. These are just some simple things from Daniel's character that I think we can look at and say, if he could do it, then I need to do it too. And so I hope that will be a help to you. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for the preaching of Your Word, the teaching that it gives to us, the illustrations and the stories that teach us principles so vital to living in a way that is pleasing to You. Father, may we be men and women of integrity and character. And Lord, may that that character be reflected in our testimony.